0: another edition of Speaking Culturally with Andre Taylor. Uh, Today we have Diana Bell-Kite who's a curator at the North Carolina Museum of History and we'll be talking about quilts and the importance of quilts and the aspect of giving women voices from the 18th century. So hello Diana, welcome.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: So let's give a let's give the, the listeners a background of who you are.
1: I'm curator of cultural history here at the North Carolina Museum of History and I have a particular passion for textiles and um, our quilt collection in particular.
0: So what is it about the quilts uh, here at the museum uh, that you have an interest in?
1: I'm interested in the quilts as expressions of women's lives, and um, oftentimes quilts and other textiles, other items that women made, allow us a um, sort of a portal into their lives, a lot of times women who did not leave behind written records did leave behind um, quilts and other things that they made. So those those objects allow us to learn about them.
0: And you have an exhibit at the museum that's up uh, right now called Quilt Speak. Uh, How did you go about selecting the specific quilts uh, that went into the exhibit?
1: Um, Well we have a fantastic collection of quilts in the museum. Um, We have about 400 quilts so it was a challenge to narrow that down to 40, so only about 10% of our collection in the exhibit right now. Um, And to do that, I really wanted to, I had a lot of goals in mind. Um, I wanted to showcase sort of the depth and breadth of the collection. I wanted to make sure that we focused on quilts that that told good stories. Um, I wanted to make sure that we showcased a diversity of quilt makers from different time periods, different racial ethnic backgrounds, different economic backgrounds, different parts of the state, um, so with those parameters in mind, um, it was a painful process at times because they all became like my children after, you know, researching them, getting to know them. Um, but I think, I think the 40 that eventually made the cut were, are good representatives.
0: And when we talk about the quilting, um, there, traditionally people, when you think of quilting, you think of women quilting, older women quilting specifically, uh, that I've seen within my family and friends that I know, how do, how do you get a, how do you get across the voices of these women to tell their story and how important is it that they did tell their story through the quilting?
1: Um, Well, it's very important that they, and some of them were, you know, very consciously telling stories through their quilting. Others were um, not trying to make any kind of statement at all. They were trying to make something to keep their family warm, but still those objects can tell us something about them. So um, a lot of our quilts were fortunate we've had family stories handed down with the quilts when they um, were donated to our collection and a lot of those stories provide really helpful starting points to further research the makers in their lives so looking at public documents looking at census records wills um, contextualizing information about the places the time periods in which the women lived the types of experiences they would have had based on their socioeconomic background their racial background um, and just sort of being able to paint a fuller picture of the contexts that these women lived in and then looking at the specific details of of their stories and and those stories handed down with the quilts.
0: Now the cultural heritage in each of the quilts is going to be different because of the different groups of people who were creating these quilts. Speak to the importance of capturing cultural heritage within these quilts.
1: Um, well, for example, I can, you know, tell you a story of one of the quilts, if that would be helpful. Um, we have uh, one quilt in the exhibit made by a woman named Lee Jacobs, who was a member of the Waccamaw tribe. And she was from Columbus County, North Carolina. And it was um, very important to her because um, she and her peers, um, a lot of the sort of older generation of the Waccamaw Siwin women quilted as a craft of necessity, but also they came to view it as an important um, part of their heritage as a tribe. And it became important to her and to other um, sort of women in her peer group to pass down the ability to quilt to younger generations in the tribe. And um, so she made that like a mission of hers, um, to give lessons to her neighbors, to raffle off quilts at tribal powwows, um, to help Uh, friends and family or um, other members of the tribe who had fallen on hard times to give them quilts and so um, the younger generation really started viewing lee jacobs quilting and those other the other older women who were quilting as very specifically wakamasuan um, craft tradition that they were passing down and carrying on for the tribe
0: now, you said that you, you have an interest in textiles, and where, where did that interest come from for you?
1: Um, it came from working here, honestly. Um, when I first started here, I was more, more of a generalist and an opportunity opened up to be able to research the textile collection more, and I really got into um, learning about how textile traditions have changed over time and, and what those traditions can tell us about women in particular.
0: Now, uh, going back to the, the quilts again uh, with the women's stories, what other, ways, what other stories do they tell through their quilts? Uh, what other timely stories do they tell of what was happening going on?
1: Yeah, I'll, sometimes the quilts will tell stories um, that maybe their makers didn't intend to tell, but that reflect on the period in which they were made. For example, um, a, one quilt made in Yancey County um, by a woman named um, Mary Robertson. Um, she was a very educated woman. She was from Canada. She went to nursing school, and there she met um, her husband, who um, was from rural North Carolina, and he was a doctor. Um, so they moved there. Um, she had four children, and she was in a very different environment than she had been um, in her earlier life, and. During World War I, or the Great War, as they referred to it, prior to World War II, she, um, her brother, um, suffered serious injury from a gas attack, her husband was involved in the medical corps, um, and the conflict had a really strong impact on her life. So she set out to uh, find out if there was a comprehensive list of veterans in Yancey County. And she found out there wasn't one, so she took it upon herself to make one. And she spent four years traveling around the county with her husband, who was a country doctor and was visiting people all over um, the area. And she compiled a list of every veteran um, living and dead from Yancey County of the Great War. And she stitched these into a quilt, um, and she had an elaborate coding system where she colored the names in um, Different ways to indicate, you know, what branch of service and had all these codes that she would put under, you know, behind the names on the quilt. Um, but one thing she did um, was that she put all of the African-American veterans at the bottom of the quilt with C O L for colored behind their names. Um, and that wasn't any sort of overt statement, I think, that she was trying to make, but very much um, spoke to the time and place in which she made the quilt that... You know, she was Canadian, but yet she's still adapted to the segregation practices of her home, um, you know, county and state and region and and did that. So that's something that can tell us about, you know, how pervasive and internalized this um, the segregation was um, when that wasn't really the point of her quilt at all, but still very um, telling aspect of it.
0: Now, why is it important to use these quilts almost as uh, documents for the uh, to include the voices of women? Why, why is it important that we look at these specifically as the voices of women of that of the eighteenth century?
1: Um, well, the eighteenth century through the twentieth century, really. But um, you know, oftentimes you won't see women's voices recorded in in writing as um, as much as men's. You won't see. And you certainly won't see women of lesser economic means. You won't see women of color um, proportionately recorded. You won't hear their voices through diaries, through um, lawmaking, through correspondence as much as you will men. And so, this is a way to access those voices. Um, you know, even if you couldn't read and write, you could still quilt. And so, you can also learn about women who wouldn't have been able to record their memories or their thoughts in the written word.
0: Now, do you think quilting, uh, in the aspect of capturing a voice, do you think that's a continued, uh, process? Or not process, but do you think that's something that people continue to do or is it, has it died off now, it's just more of an artsy type thing?
1: Oh no, it's definitely, I think, I think it's more popular than ever as a way to sort of express yourself. Um, ever since the National Bicentennial in 1976, um, quilting has been gaining popularity. And, you know, there are traditional quilters, there are art quilters, um, there's any number of different ways that modern day quilters define themselves. But um, I think most would agree that they are, you know, giving, they're putting a piece of themselves into the work that they're making and that it it speaks for them in some way.
0: Now, are you gonna create a quilt anytime soon? No. (laughs) What what, Of the the 40, uh, is there one that you're more partial to?
1: Um, My favorite, Hmm. it's hard to pick a favorite. Um, There's some good stories in there, though. There's um, Patience White's quilt. She was born into slavery around 1830, and she, um, if the census data is correct, she was illiterate. Um, In 1880, when she was about 50 years old, and the story handed down with the quilt she made was that she made it as a gift to her teacher for teaching her to read and write in 1907, when she would have been in her late 70s. So, um, it's pretty incredible to think of a woman who yearned to to learn to read and write so much that she learned in her 70s to read and write and made such a beautiful gift as a log cabin quilt as you know a memento of her thanks to the person who taught her.
0: Do you think that more museums should include quilts as a way of of giving women voices in in specific exhibits?
1: Oh definitely and not just quilts but all sorts of um, objects related to women's lives. I think material culture study is a very valuable way to access Um, the experiences of people who aren't always represented in, in written histories.
0: Well, Diana, I thank you for your time, and thank you for stopping by speaking culturally. Well, thanks for having
1: me.